0: Praise the Lord. Deuteronomy, the fourth chapter, uh, verse 37 and 38. These are, there's one, there's two lines in particular that I want to draw your attention to. I want to talk about people that possess God's best. And we'll read this and then I'll, I'll take a little caveat. Then I'll get back with the message. But look at what it says in Deuteronomy chapter four, verse 37, 38. And because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose your descendants after them. And he brought you out of Egypt. With his presence and with his mighty power. Driving out from before you nations greater and mightier than you. To bring you in. To give you their land as an inheritance as it is this day. Now, years and years ago, my life was changed by this scripture. And I'll describe what I'm talking about. But how many of you ever read the Bible and had the words jump off the page? You ever had that? That's what happened right here. Now, if you've got a pen or a marker, you're going to mark your Bible... Mark this particular phrase, he brought you out in verse 37. Mark that. And then in verse 38, mark this, to bring you in. That's the mess. that's what jumped out. That's what got me. He brought you out to bring you in. There was a purpose in bringing you out. It's not enough for you to just get out of darkness. It's not enough just to get out of Satan's kingdom, out of sin's power, out of the trouble you were in, out of the circumstance. It's not enough to get out of it. God has a higher purpose for getting you out, and that's to bring you in. Amen. Now, everybody look up at me. I am here to bring you hope. It's just as simple as that. Now, I'm, I don't want to get into battle scars and, and uh, you know, comparing wounds or anything like that. Let me just say to you, I am—I was from a a horrible, messed-up home from a little town in North Louisiana, Spring Hill, Louisiana, and uh, uh, the Trokles put the funk in dysfunctional. If you look up Webster's Dictionary, dysfunctional, it says refer to the trochal family. Something like that. I don't—I don't really have time to go in, into how. All the details of how, how bad it was messed up. But let me just say this. At the age of five years old, I knew the family was doomed. At the age of five, I looked around and said, this, this is not going to last. This is going to blow up.
1: At five,
0: and the reason I remember at five is because I was in my bunk bed at the age of five, and my parents were beating each other in the back in, in their bedroom. And I would wake up and hear them cursing and beating and breaking furniture. And, and, uh, uh, and I would scream for them to please stop. Please stop. Uh, my, my older two brothers, their hearts were hardened. They would cuss at me and tell me to shut up. But when I heard my parents uh, fight like that, it, it would rip my heart out. And that's the first time I felt the presence of God. One night, the Holy Spirit came on me and wrapped his arms around me. And as a little bitty boy, little bitty boy, didn't know anything, I said out loud, this is you, isn't it? This is you. And I knew it was, it was. And I laid down and I went sound asleep. I roll ahead uh, 12 years later. I'm 17 years old. And the United Pentecostal Church had been praying for me. In fact, this is how that happened. In 1978, at a New Year's service at the United Pentecostal Church Youth Group, the youth pastor got up and said, "God is a God of the impossible. Think of the most impossible thing you can think of. Write it down, and we'll see God do it." In 1979, the 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 pastor's daughter uh, Judy Trammell was in that meeting, and she wrote down the most impossible thing she could think of. In 1979, Paul Troquel will get saved. Because it was the most impossible thing she could think of. So I'm walking. So that note got passed up to her dad, the pastor. He gets up in church, finds out who I am, finds out my reputation, and calls for a two-week church-wide fast for my salvation. So I'm walking down the hall at Spring Hill High School. One of my football buddies comes up and jacks me in the arm. And, you know, we don't know nothing about fasting. He goes, Trokel, you bad. I said, what? He goes, you're bad. I said, what are you saying that? He goes, you know that United Pentecostal Church? I said, yeah. He goes, they ain't eating because of you. (laughs) Shut up. know what you're talking about. Long story short, uh, the worship leader moved right across the street from me. Started tormenting me. We were poor. My mother lost her mind. My daddy was gone. My brother was in jail other brother was in college i'm at home trying to keep my mama from committing suicide and there you go next thing i know i'm at that church and when i walk in the presence of god hit me i hadn't felt it since i was five we went to church every sunday every wednesday night every sunday night uh i won't say the denomination you know the you know poor church christ but anyway uh we, You know, we thought we were the only ones saved. Everybody else is going to heaven. I heard that for 14 years, and I never bought into it. So around the age of 10, I completely shut off. The only joy I ever got at church was winking at my pastor when he did the altar call because he hated me, and I hated him. And I was the only one in the church that hadn't been baptized. So I knew the altar call was for me, and everybody would look at me, and I knew he was going to look at me, and I would get to go. Every Sunday, he would turn as red as that guy's shirt. It was so much fun. It's the only fun I had in church. Anyway, listen to me. Everybody look up at me. I'm here to tell you this is what I've discovered. Nothing that has ever been done to me is greater than what Jesus has done for me. Nothing that has ever been done. No no experience that I've ever had. And I've had so many horrible experiences. By the time I was 17. Don't want to go into them. Doesn't matter. All I can tell you is this. It doesn't matter how crazy your background is. God can rewrite your future. Some people got saved. Folks. I got rescued. I got rescued. And since then, my life has been so blessed. I am a blessed man. And I have, I have seen nothing but good from the hand of God. Can you say amen? So I'm here to give you hope, praise the Lord. Now, there's three forces in my life, three forces that drive me. Number one is I want to know God. That's it. I don't care to be a great minister. I don't care that people know me. I don't care that I'm fame. I don't care about none of that. I don't care about getting rich. I don't care about that. I care about knowing God. Really knowing God. And what I mean by knowing God is knowing God on his terms. There's a lot of people today that claim they know God, but they, listen, we say, well, we don't have idols today. Yeah, we do. We have idols today. You know what people are doing in church right now? They're carving the word of God up. And they're taking only the pieces they like. In other words, churches today A lot of them are shaping God into their own image, and they're they're deciding about what marriage is, what gender identity is, what sexuality means, and just well, I I, I like that about the Word of God. God loves me just like I am. But this other part that says that sin—I don't like that, and I reject that. Wait a minute. You need to be all in. Listen to me. I've listened in the last six months. I'm shocked. And at the same time, I know what's happening, and I'll get to it in a minute. I'm shocked by some of the Bible scholars, Bible people that are prominent in ministry that are affecting millions of people. One of them recently spoke out and said, we need to unhitch our faith from the Old Testament. We need to unhitch our faith. In other words, we need to dismiss the Old Testament completely. It's a book of myths. Uh, A lot of you don't know how the Southern Baptist Convention just caved a few months ago. Caved in. Got rid of their professor that teaches the Old Testament is the word of God. And got a Old Testament professor that teaches that the Old Testament is just mythology. Literally the Southern Baptist Convention has caved. Now we should have heard a shot across the bow in the church world. But it's not all bad news. In fact. What's happening right now is the true church of Jesus Christ is emerging. We're going to find out who's real. And it's a good thing. You just kind of find out who is and who ain't. And and let's get serious, you know. I just had a business transaction with with a guy. And kind of, I didn't know him. He's from Texas. And we were talking. Somehow, I got a sense that he was a person of faith. So when we made the transaction, I said, by the way, you're a man of faith, aren't you? He said, you are too. I can tell. I said, what denomination are you? What, what church affiliation? He said, well, I'm not quite sure. We're all a lost bunch of Methodists right now. I said, what happened? He said, well, we, uh, we stepped away from the Methodist denomination and we started our own work. And I said, let me guess, it's over sexuality. He said, absolutely. So people are picking and choosing. And you have to decide whether you're all in or not. Me, I'm all in. What's the issue? The issue is the same issue that's been since Genesis chapter 2. When Satan showed up in the garden and asked Eve. Did God really say that? It's all about the word of God. Why? Once you capitulate. Once you fold on the Bible being the word of God. Then everything else is fair game. The family... Gender identity, marriage, all of it's fair game. Jesus being the only way, the truth, and the life. Nobody coming to the Father except through him. Those things are under, under scrutiny right now. And those, those doctrines in many churches are falling. So you have to decide right now, are you all in or not? Are you all in on the word of God? Praise the Lord. All right, it's going to get tested. And you're going to be called a bigot, a racist, a homophobe, you're going to be called everything in the world. You just have to decide whether, whether you're going to know God on His terms or you're, you're going to know God on your terms. I've decided I want to know God on His terms." In other words, when, when God looks at Paul, he says, he, "He does know me according to what I say knowing me is. The second thing is, I want my family blessed. I don't care. I don't have to get blessed. I got a good shotgun, a good bow. I'm good to go. It's really, I don't need much. I don't need much. But I want my family blessed. Can you say amen? I want God to visit those grandkids. They're going to have a run-in with the Holy Ghost before it's over. I'm holding the Lord to it. But number three is very simple. I want my life to make a difference. That's it. And I don't care... You know, like I say, I don't care about the the, the stuff getting in a charisma magazine or having people know me or think I'm anointed or think I'm great. I don't care. I just want to make a difference. I want my life to make a difference. Now, this got a hold of me real early in, in, in ministry. Got a hold of me real early. And I have to say this. I'm not in competition with any ministers. But when I find out that ministers are making a decision that's wrong, I will go a different way. For example... In the small town that I was raised, it was popular for the pastors to get together and talk bad about their people. They'd make jokes about the people they pastored, and I'm sitting there, and they're talking about how horrible their 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 church is and how horrible their 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 uh, salaries are, and joke about the people. and And, and I'm, I said, "Wait a minute, now you've been there five six years, and you're still complaining about how the people are. That says more about you as a leader." Than does about the people, you're telling off on yourself. And I made a decision. I'm not going to hang around with chicken pastors. You can't hang around with chicken people on one day and fly with the eagles in the afternoon. You just got to make a decision who you're going to hang with. So I I I made a decision. I I made some I made some decisions. I I saw men fall in a young age, fall into adultery. Ministers fall into adultery. I made a decision. I will not be with a woman who's not my wife in an isolated situation. So I pastored. I know how to escape adultery. Never be alone with a woman that's not your wife. Kind of hard to do it when the secretary is right there and she's right there. So, you know, you might laugh about this stuff, but what I found out is that it's simple. You're, if you don't know how you're going to be different you're not going to make a difference. If you don't know how you're going to be different, you're not going to make a difference. Only different people make a difference. I, I'm, 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 I'm studying on how I can hook something electronically to my gravestone. I, I'm serious. I want people to walk up to my gravestone, push a button, and hear me testify about the goodness of God in my life. I, I want I want a different graveside experience. I want to joke with them. Hey, you're looking down. I'm not here. I'm up. I'm up. You know. <laughs> I want to make some jokes, but then I want to tell them about God in my life. I, I even want my tombstone to be different. I, you know. I asked my dad one time, "What do you want on your tombstone?" He thought he he's, you know, he was always joking. He said, "I thought it'd be cool if you put on there. I told you
1: I was sick." But. It... Now, in studying this, this is what I got
0: to. The heart of it was a study that I've done and teaching that's come out of it. And I take the teaching all over the world about people that enter into the promised land. Why they entered in and why a whole generation didn't. Now, we know that, that the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, you, you, can, you can look this up, 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 to 11. It talks about they all had the same spiritual experience. They all were touched by God. They all saw the miraculous power of God, and yet they died in the wilderness now. And then it says this, these things were written for our example. In other words, they're our example of how God moves in the life of one of his children. And we already saw the scripture that says he brought us out that he might bring us in. But statistically, it's not good. Statistically, if if they are our example, then statistically, a whole lot of people in the body of Christ are hung up in the desert. In other words, they're out of sin. Yes, they're out of Egypt, Egypt being a type of sin, being a type of Satan's kingdom. We know that. But they're, they're, they're out, but they're not in. They're not living victorious, overcoming, holy, powerful, fruitful, influential lives. They're not possessing what God said they should be possessing. And, and so I made, it's a, life, it's a life study with me. I want to know what makes people different. I I got a whole thing on Tom Brady. What makes him different? All those guys are out partying in the nightclub. Tom is home clicking video of how you defend. So a 44-year-old man can beat you. I think it's kind of cool. That's what makes him different. He don't put one thing in his mouth that's not healthy. He will not eat a crumb of a cookie. He eats avocado ice cream. That's
1: weird. Okay? It's weird. But it's what makes him different. So I, I want to know what makes believers
0: different. God said about the children of Israel. Out of, the, out of the 12 spies. There's only two that got to go in. It was Joshua and Caleb. And God said it's because they had a different spirit. That's in Numbers 13. 27 to 33. For the sake of time. Y'all know these stories. So we're not going to just go and read read all of them. But. This is what happened. These two people made a difference. God said they're going to enter into the promised land because they have a different spirit. So when I was in my 20s, I did an intensive study on all these things. And I found out that there was a driving principle behind all of it. And this driving principle has changed my life completely. First of all, you've got to understand they receive something completely different. And a lot of people, they sell stuff today. They say spiritual things, but they're not really spiritual if you examine them. For
1: example, people who say, if it's the will of God, it'll just happen. Baloney. I remember Brother, Brother Hagen got up. And uh, that was one of my mentors.
0: And he was teaching, you know, God really can't do anything. Because it says in his home, own hometown, he could do no mighty miracles there. He could do no because of their unbelief. And a man got so offended, he jumped up in the back and he started rebuking Brother Hagin. That ain't true. My God can do anything. You're lying. You're, you're not preaching the truth. And Brother Hagin said, shut up. If he could do anything, he'd make you pay your tithes. And the guy
1: shut up. (laughs) He shut up, sat down. I kind of ended that argument. See, I I know as far as God's ability,
0: he can do anything. But he chooses to work through certain avenues. And in those certain restraints that he has put on himself...
1: He is limited. He's limited by us. Now, let, let, let me go back to my childhood. I,
0: this, is, this was a life problem with me. I was firmly grounded in, in a pessimistic outlook of life. From the age of five years old, I knew that my family was going to blow apart. I knew that my mom and daddy were not going to stay together. Every day in our family was what, like walking through a field mine uh, uh, with, with, with bombs buried in the ground. And we knew that somebody's going to step on it and the whole thing's going to blow up. We don't know who, we don't know when, but we know it's not going to last. So that, that's what I literally carried into my marriage. This idea that nothing but bad things happen. And listen, it was, it was deep inside my heart. And maybe, and, and, and if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm right, and I think I'm right, the devil tries to mark something in you. He tries to plant something in you about your future that doesn't line up with the Word of God. And so I started studying these people. I thought, well, let me, let me just at least find out what made them different. And here's, here's the principle. They received something different. Why did they receive they received something different? Because... Okay, back up. They acted differently. Okay, these people aren't acting the same. They are, they are acting differently. Now why are they acting differently? Well, they're acting differently uh, probably because they're talking differently. Well, why are they talking differently? They're talking differently because they, 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 they think differently. Well, why do they think differently? They think differently because they see differently. They evaluate differently. They perceive differently. What causes that?
1: Ah, it's what they believe in their heart. What they believe in their heart. You send 12 people into the land
0: and all 12 people see the exact same
1: thing But they don't see it the same way. Here's the secret. Every day you wake up, I promise you, you're dealing with this principle
0: in your life. Now, you can tell us what you know we want to hear and quote the word and be like a parrot. I was just with this couple, the the man that translated. They have an African gray parrot. And you know the parrot will. I finally got after two weeks. I got him to got her to repeat a little sound that I made. I was very happy. Great, great parrots are very intelligent, so they they'll copy after a while. But how many know? Just because somebody can say the name of Jesus, it doesn't mean there's power in what they're saying. There's only power in the name of Jesus if you're connected to Jesus, and have a relationship with Him, personal relationship with Him. You can't pray in the name of Jesus that Pastor David talks about. You have to to pray in the name of Jesus because you know him yourself. And that's that's where Satan tries to paint a picture in everybody's mind of a future that he has for you. I promise you, he has a future painted for you. And if you're like me, you bought into it. I'm a troquel, no, I mean, look in the court news, we're in there every week, if you want to catch up on my family, just go to the Spring Hill Press and look at the court news, there'll be a troquel in there, usually resisting arrest, public intoxication, uh, you know, all kind of stuff, that's what we were known for, and so my, my future was mapped out, you know, my, my mother was diagnosed a paranoid schizophrenic, tried to kill herself four times. By the time I was 14, I had three nervous breakdowns. My dad was an alcoholic, uh, killed himself drinking. My brother was a drug addict, alcohol, alcoholic, killed himself. Uh, and I got one brother that's got some brains. It's great. What happened? Well, we got we got hooked in with God. God pulled us out of the fire. He just pulled us right out of the fire. We were just in the depths of this humongous mess and he just pulled us out not only did he pull us out but he did something something strong he changed the way we believe it may not seem like a big deal to you but let me promise you in your heart of hearts there are things that you believe about yourself and you might tell people here what they want to hear but you get backed up in a corner a real corner of pressure and what's on the inside of you will come out. And listen to me. What I found out is this: that is the guiding force in your life. It will literally attract whatever you got in there. Now, if it's bad, that's what you'll attract. Your destiny. Listen to me. Your destiny. People say oh, it's in God's hands. If it listen to me. If it was in God's hands. Everybody from the Old Testament that he promised the promised land to would have entered the promised land. So for somebody to say if it's God's will, it'll just happen. They're not reading the Bible. It does. It, it, it can be God's will and it not happen. And it has nothing to do with God, the devil, the government or people. It has to do with what's going on in between your two ears. What's going on in your heart of hearts. I had to quit blaming my past. I had to quit blaming my parents. Okay, yeah, they were screwed up. They were messed up. I was born in a messed up situation. But the idea came to me. My life does not have to be messed up. It doesn't have to be this dysfunctional mess. For the rest of my life, the same spirits that attacked my mother to try to get her to commit suicide attacked me. And I was in for the fight of my life. I have complete compassion for people that suffer depression and suffer. It's, it, it's ridiculous for, to tell them to just cheer up. They've got to get delivered. It's like asking somebody to throw a football with a broke arm and then getting mad at them because they can't. we got to have, come on y'all. We've got to have more compassion on people that are suffering mentally. It's more than just you saying cheer up, look on the bright side. Something has to supernaturally touch those people to change how they believe. Because what you believe in your heart of hearts is what is going to be your destiny. Almost destroyed my marriage because I believed even though I was a Christian. It couldn't last. That was the way I was raised. Nothing good ever lasts. It all self-destructs. And I thought that I said, you know, basically in my heart of hearts, it's just a matter of time before she burns me and we divorce and I move on. And I know that sounds bizarre. You're a Christian. You're born again. But you've got to understand, I was raised with that belief deep inside of me from my childhood. Bad things happen
1: to troquels, and that's the future. And you can't do anything about it. Well, hang on. I'm here to tell you that what God did in Christ is greater than what Satan did in Adam.
0: What God did in Christ is greater than what Satan did in Adam. Redemption is stronger than sin. Grace is stronger than sin. God is stronger than Satan. Love is more powerful than hate. Mercy is more great. Mercy is greater than your mistakes. Mercy is greater than your
1: sin. Grace is better than your ugliness. It all It's going to come down to what you choose to believe in your heart of hearts about your life. Another example. David comes on the scene. Goliath, Bellerin down there. Goliath, nine
0: foot six, screaming. Everybody else in Israel, all the army of Israel, their knees are knocking together. His brothers are knocking together. They're all looking at Goliath and they're all saying the same thing except for one person. The army of Israel is looking at Goliath and they're saying, he's so big. He's so powerful. How can we win? David comes, looks at the exact same giant and
1: says to himself, he's so big, how can I miss? (laughs) You're looking at the same dude. We're all looking at the same guy. But we don't see him the same way. Why? David believes
0: I have a covenant. God is with me. He doesn't have a covenant. God is not with him. He has no protection. There is no thing he can do to stop me from taking
1: his head off today. He's so big. How can I miss? Now, stop and boil down the gospel. Yeah, well, let's look at this. Put up these
0: two scriptures Titus 1, 5, 1 15. Titus 1 15. This is what changed
1: my life. Look at this. To the pure, what? To the pure, all things are what? Yeah. But to the defiled, what? Nothing is pure. My sweet wife, she came to me one time and she said, after
0: church, and she's real troubled and. We had to go upstairs and have a talk. And she was crying. I said, what is it? She said, Sister so-and-so prophesied to me. I said, what she prophesied? She said, I was bound by a spirit of lust. And she's crying. She said, am I bound by a spirit of lust? I said, I wish you was sometimes."
1: You know, she's so sweet and she's so
0: pure. And I said, Debbie, you don't have a spirit of lust. She goes, why would she prophesy that? I said, because she has. You know, I get nervous about spirit-filled people who see nothing but bad things in the church. They're always seeing demons behind every bush. They're always seeing bad intentions in people. Let me tell you, if it's the Holy Ghost, you're
1: going to see something good every now and then. If all you're seeing is bad in this church, something's wrong with you. To the pure all things are pure. Matthew 5, what is it? Matthew 5, verse
0: 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they, they what? They see God. Not just when you get to heaven. I don't think it's just talking about when you get to heaven. I'm talking about here in this world. If you've got a pure heart, you'll see God everywhere. You can see God moving. That's what we do. We go and we see God. Now, let me tell you about the funniest argument I ever had with my wife. Funniest argument I ever had with my wife. We're praying for revival. I'm praying my guts out for revival. The church, she gets on to me for saying this, but it's true. The church started filling up with weird people. Everybody that came through the door had some kind of tick and pop. Like, God, I mean, really, multiple marriages, multiple... You know, uh, drug addiction. I, it's just every 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 squirrely crazy. They just started filling the church up. And I went back to God. And I was, I was, I, you know, I was like, maybe I didn't make myself clear to you that I wanted revival. Could you send somebody normal? Church is filling up with crazy people. And to listen, the Lord spoke to me and said, I will not send to you the type of people that every church wants. Until you prove to me you'll love the people that no church wants. I said, oh, it's a test. I get it. It's a test. So I kept praying. I kept praying. Now, listen, it happened one Sunday. I showed up to church. I walked in and everything had changed. I'm telling you, the people were excited. The glory of God fell. They were were in love with each other. They were in unity. They were happy. I was preaching like a fat man in a barbed wire fence, a point here and a point there. I got in the car. I could not wait to get Debbie in the car. I said, Debbie, look what God, God did it in one week. The whole church changed. She said, no, he didn't. I said, no, you saw what happened today. The glory of God filled. The church is packed. Man, people on fire. People do. it." It was awesome. It was amazing.
1: God changed everybody in one week. No fall. He just changed you. And when he changed me, I looked out in that congregation. And I saw God. I saw God in those people and I started preaching to the God I saw in them. They started rising up. And the shouters out the doubters. We had revival. I became a different pastor. Why? I began to believe differently down in here. I put up Romans
0: 116. Isn't this interesting? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God. Now. Somebody tell me
1: what the word gospel means. Say it out loud. You know good news doesn't sell.
0: It doesn't sell. Every day in America. Everything you hear is baptized in bad news. You go to any major network. You know what they think about us in other countries? They think we're all over here in the streets and it's wild, wild west, and we're all killing each other. They're scared to death. You know what we what, what we know about Muslims? All we know about Muslims is, is them either killing each other or bombing bombing and, and, and terrorists and all. Did you know there's many, many Muslims who love America? There's many Muslims turning to the gospel. I was in Lebanon. I learned. I learned. I walked in with a bunch of Syrian refugees. And these women that had on the the burqa. That says I'm a full blown Muslim. Not only that. But the kind that will blow you up. And when the music started. They threw off that veil. They lifted up their hands. And they started worshiping Jesus. Change my mind forever. There's people in the world. That you have marked a certain way. And listen to me, sometimes when you mark them a certain way, you prohibit yourself from ever ministering to those people. Because you put them in a box that can't be reached. Stop and think about this, how simple this is. Let's look at this scripture. I'll close with this. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it it is the what? The power of God. To salvation for everyone who does what? Stop and think about it. Even God himself will not release his power to you until you choose to believe something good. How's that for simplicity? God said, if you want to come to me, you got to believe I'm a good guy. He that cometh to God must believe that he's a rewarder. I want you to believe something good. And when you believe something good, I'll release my power to you. You know, there's a lot of people today, man, all they want to do is rip the church apart. Like nobody's real and nobody's doing anything good. It's a lie. There's a lot of people. There's people in this church. They love God with all their heart. You say, well, there's hypocrites in the church. We got room for more. Come on. I, I, I'm here to tell you, forever hypocrite, we've got 50 that want to serve God out of a pure heart. Forever, forever fake minister that we got that's running after money and women, we, we've got 150 that are sold out to the, to the will of God. Don't, don't, don't let the devil paint the picture that there's nobody doing right. That's a lie. What can God do here in this church? What can God do in our midst? It, it all depends on one thing. What can you believe that's good? Because I promise you. What you believe that's good about this man and his wife. And about the people of this church. Will affect how you fit in this church. And that will affect what you receive when you come to this church. You ever hear about the little boy that went home from school. And all he could find was a Limburger cheese sandwich. So he ate the Limburger cheese. Then he laid down, took a nap. After a while, he woke up and he said, my goodness, it stinks in here. Got up and walked around the house. Every room he went, stunk. Man, it stinks. He went outside. He stood in his front yard. His mama was coming home from work. She got out of the car and he's standing there in the front yard. He goes, mama, guess what? The whole world stinks. She goes. You got Limburger cheese on your lip. That's what happens when you get a bad attitude about life and God and the church and ministers and Christians. You just got Limburger cheese on your lip, honey. When you got it on your lip, everything stinks. But when you get a pure heart. You see God. God. You see, God, when you look in the mirror. I used to look in the mirror and think, ain't no hope for you. All you're going to do in the ministry is embarrass yourself and embarrass God. I had that belief deep inside. God had to root that out of me. And he did. And you know what I experience now? Every time I stop, goodness and mercy are bumping into my backside. There's a man that overheard someone talking about what we do. I never met the guy. He's just a Christian businessman that overheard my friend talking about these leadership clinics. He said, "Who are you talking about?" I said Paul and Debbie Trokel. What are they doing? Lead, training leaders all over the nation. He said, "How much it costs?" Ten thousand dollars. He said, "I got the first one. We got four paid for. Do you understand?" Everywhere I go, people like me and good things happen. <laughs> Do you know why? It's what I believe down inside my, not because I think I'm anything. I just know God's in my life and God's a good God and he wants to help people. And he, hel- he helps people through me because I believe he can and I believe he will and, and I believe he does. And I believe in him and I believe in you and I believe in the gospel. And now that's what's in my heart. And, you know, because it's in my heart, that's what's in my life. I got a better than average marriage. I got a better than average kids. Not lying, not bragging. They really are. Good things happen to us all the time. David said, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And when it's all over, I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on, y'all. Just make a choice that you're going to take the script that's in the word of God and put that in your heart about your life. And you'll see a difference. Will you stand up? Pastor, would
1: you come? Thank you for listening today. God bless you so much.